jumping into a brand new series today. Uh, for the last two years, we've been in the Old Testament. We went all the way through Genesis, uh, did some other things, and then we went through the book of Ecclesiastes. And uh, now we're so thrilled to jump into uh, one of the biographies of Jesus Christ. And uh, that's going to be the book, the book of Mark. And uh, so we're going to jump in uh, today. We'll go through uh, an entire verse uh, today. Uh, Mark 1, uh, verse 1, and so we're going to do that in a minute. Um, let's go ahead and pray, though. <clears throat> God, we thank you so much for, uh, for, for your power uh, that you bring to us today. I, I thank you, Lord, that uh, even that song, um, Prepare the Way, that just is echoing in my mind, my soul this morning, that we are actually able to prepare the way of the Lord, that as we gather together and as we point to Jesus, as we worship Jesus, that we're actually preparing a path for you to come and, and land, to do transformative work in us. And we, we ask you, Lord, that you would do, do that, uh, that you would do some change. I, I declare, Lord, I cannot move anybody towards Jesus today. I can't move anybody deeper into community today. I can't move anybody towards mission, but you can, God. And so um, right now, uh, all you guys, take just a moment between you and God. Open up your hands, open up your hearts before God and just say, Lord, I'm open to your transforming work in me today. Take a moment, do that. Jesus, we declare you as the hero of this day, the hero in the room, the hero of my life, the hero of our lives. We pray that you would move in power today. We pray for any of our friends that may be non-believers, that they would become believers today. We pray for uh, any of our, our Christian friends and, that are in here, Lord, that may be discouraged, that they would find courage in Christ and, in, and that they would be encouraged, Lord, uh, by having a, a greater view of who Jesus is. Uh, we pray for uh, any of us that, man, there's great things going on in our lives that we quickly give you the credit and the glory for what you're doing. God, we ask that you reveal even more that for us as Christians that we are missionaries and ministers. It's not about people who are paid to be professional Christians like a pastor, like a missionary uh, overseas, uh, like a worship leader, Lord. But it's about, it's about every Christian being brought into your family and being sent into mission as a minister, God. So help, uh, help all my friends, whether they're in school, whether they're in between jobs, uh, whether they're uh, right in the middle of the marketplace in a job, Lord, uh, whether they're a single mom, whatever, whatever they do with their 40-plus hours a week, they would say, I am a minister. I am a missionary. Send me. God, help us as we press forward. Uh, we look for you to do the, the work within us in Jesus' name. Amen. Uh, man, it's been, a, it's been a great day uh, so far. Um, um, I don't know if the worship, I guess part of the worship band's in here. Um, man, it was great. Thank you guys so much for, for serving us that way. Um, just really been a sweet, anointed time uh, today. And Alan, I don't know if he's still in here or not, but just appreciate him leading us as well. Uh, God's doing some great movements uh, in our church, and I'm just so, I'm so grateful for it. It's a, it's a dream come true. It's, a, it's an answer to prayers. 
We are, uh, man, I'm so excited to, to jump into the book of Mark. Um, what I want to, where I want to start you uh, is not going to be in Mark 1, verse 1, but I actually want to start, start you in Mark 1, verses 14 and 15, because uh, we've, uh, we've titled the name of this series in the book of Mark, Mark. And um, there's a subtitle, though, Repent and Believe the Gospel. Uh, and this is a theme that we're going to see as we march through this book that, that, we, that we see that Jesus, his first thing that he had to say uh, as, as a preacher, as a proclaimer, was he told people to repent and believe in the gospel. And so here it is, verse 14, Mark 1. Now after John was arrested, Jesus came into Galilee proclaiming the gospel of God and saying, the time is fulfilled, the kingdom of God is at hand, repent and believe in the gospel. Now, we're not going to tear this apart like we will in, in a few weeks when we hit this, hit this section, um, but I, I want to point it out that this is thematic for our study. This is thematic if you study who Jesus is, that he is telling us, he's commanding and inviting us, repent and believe the gospel. Uh, he's saying that to unbelievers. He's saying to people who have never come to faith in Christ, to people that are strangers to him, people that are enemies of the cross, he's saying, repent and believe in the gospel. He's saying, come to me. But he's saying it just as much to to Christians as he is to unbelievers. He's saying that in every day of our life, that if we understand, um, if we understand what the gospel is, it'll bring freedom in our life. And so we need to repent from our old ways of thinking and think what the ramifications are of what the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ is. So we're right in the middle of, uh, in the beginning of the study of one of the biographies of Jesus Christ. Uh, the Bible as a whole is the most important library in the world. I hope you heard me say library, not book. Uh, it's, it is a compilation of a, of a lot of books. The book of Mark is, is one of them, and it's the most important library and definitely the most important book within the world. And I believe that within human history, the biographies of Jesus of Nazareth, Nazareth are the most important of all the stories that have been told. Um, they are eyewitness accounts, and we believe they're reliable eyewitness accounts of who Jesus is. So I want to give you all some background as we jump into the book of Mark uh, of kind of who, what, where, when, why. Uh, of, uh, of this book. Let's start out with the who, of who, who was Mark. When I was a kid, I, uh, and I was raised, raised in a good, solid church, and I just assumed that Mark was one of the disciples. Mark was not one of the disciples. Mark was not, one of the, uh, was not an eyewitness uh, to, the, to Jesus and his miracles and, and his resurrection. Um, Mark is one who is recording as a scribe the eyewitness of another. I believe, and we're going to press forward, that, uh, that it's the eyewitness of Peter, uh, that that's what the story, the story is. So the book of Mark, if you think of it, it's actually telling the story of the apostle Peter. First um, Peter 5.13 um, speaks of the relationship that Peter had with Mark, um, verse 13. It says, she who is at Babylon, who is likewise chosen, sends you greetings, as does Mark, my son. It wasn't his physical son. 
he was talking about Mark being an apprentice, being one that he's invested his, his life into to prepare him to be, to be a, an important minister of the gospel. So Peter poured himself in, into Mark. Uh, we also know that Peter, he wrote in the Bible, he, he wrote that he was going to write down the biographical story of Jesus. Second Peter 1 verse 15 says this, I will make every effort so that after my departure you will be able at any time to recall these things. Okay? At this point, even when this was going on, the, you had Peter that would have been telling, he would have been engaging what's called oral tradition, where he was already telling the story of Jesus, of his, of his life, of his ministry days, of his death, his burial, and his resurrection. Uh, and oral tradition is difficult for, for us to understand um, uh, because, oral, because we understand written tradition. We understand history uh, by things being penned. Um, and as a result of that, uh, many times we'll, we, won't, we won't think that oral tradition carries as much weight, but it did. It carried a lot of weight because you had people that they would memorize. They'd memorize the story. They'd repeat it back to one another, and they would tell the story and they tell it that the beautiful thing about the oral tradition is these stories about Jesus Christ were being told in the generation that Jesus died in while the eyewitnesses were still alive. So before it was even recorded, you had, you had years by which the story's being told, they're giving accounts, they're talking about cities, they're talking about people in these cities naming their names, which led to many of them being martyred later on. As, because they would not recant the story of the biography of Jesus Christ's death, burial, and resurrection. But it brought incredible credibility to these stories who were being told. Then later on, again, they were penned. They were, they were written down. Um, uh, the early church believed that it was Peter. Eusebius, in the 4th century, uh, he wrote this in actually 325. He said, in the same reign of Claudius... Claudius died in, in uh, 54, 54 AD. So just a few years after the resurrection of Christ, definitely within the generation of the eyewitnesses. In the same reign of Claudius, the providence of the universe guided to Rome the great and mighty Peter, preaching the gospel. But the hearers of Peter were not satisfied with a single hearing, but with every kind of exhortation besought Mark, seeing that he was Peter's follower, to leave them a written a written statement of the teaching given them verbally. Nor did they cease until they persuaded him, and so became the cause of the scripture called the Gospel of Mark. Okay? Now, that's not scripture. We don't look at church history or any other kind of a, a writing outside of the Bible as being authoritative like the Bible. But here, we've got, they're, they're talking about it within, within a couple hundred years uh, saying, all right, the, our stories, we're, we're, we've been told that, that Peter, he was going to write something. He did write it out with John Mark as being, uh, being the one that, that penned it, the scribe. Um, also, as we move forward, kind of the, the when and the where, as well as uh, the, the who of, of Peter, uh, Don Carson, or D.A. Carson, said this, if Peter was the source for the gospel, it's very likely that it was produced in Rome. That's where he was where Peter was almost certainly martyred in A.D. 64. Most of the early records suggest Rome, or at least Italy, as the place of origin, though some suggest Alexandria. And then he gives a little bit of insight of Rome. 
Rome was a sprawling city with a population of several millions. It had all our familiar problems of slums, pollution, and communication challenges. And so he, he kind of bridges the gap a little bit of us in, in the West of understanding even what Rome was like when Peter would have had Mark uh, uh, pin it. Uh, and so we, we see there's reliability in um, uh, in, in the, the, internal, the internal evidences as the, the Bible claims itself to be Scripture, uh, as we have extra-biblical um, uh, statements uh, being made, Eusebius, other historians talking, talking about it. Um, but one of the things that helps with the credibility of the Bible is the copies that are, that are in existence. And um, I want you to know, I want you to be encouraged that Jesus of Nazareth uh, is is, I believe, the most historical figure in our past. That there's more that was written about, about him, especially eyewitness, you know, than any of the characters, uh, the major characters that would have been before him uh, in the, the thousands of years uh, of history. Because there's so many copies in existence the, of, of, the, of the writings, not only the Old Testament, but, but the New Testament. And they're, they're compared to one another, and there's incredible reliability uh, between them. Uh, and uh, um, what's amazing is there's something that's unprecedented that's taken place just in the last month uh, that actually has to do with the book of Mark. Um, there's a professor at Dallas Theological Seminary it's named Daniel B. Wallace, and I think he's the New Testament uh, prof there. Um, I think he's over the New Testament uh, division at uh, Dallas Theological. Um, he, he made an announcement uh, just last month, February the 1st, at uh, UNC Chapel Hill uh, about some fragments, um, fragments, uh, seven New Testament papyri that have been recently discovered. Six of these were probably from the second century, so in the 100s, and one of them probably in the first century, and it's the Gospel of Mark. The fragment has, is, is talking about the, the, the Gospel of Mark. Um, he said that... Uh, um, that most likely it's going to be the oldest New Testament artifacts that have ever been found, again, that date all the way to the first, the first and the second century during the time of the eyewitnesses. We at Sojourn, we love doubters and we love skeptics, and I mean that from the bottom of my heart. And uh, you may be in here or you might even be listening to this sometime in the future and, and you would categorize yourself as a, as a doubter of a, or a skeptic and. Uh, um, many times, uh, what, a, what a skeptic, and you, you may have said this sometime in your life, or, or you may have a friend, you know, they'll just say, well, I just don't, I don't believe the reliability of Scripture because I believe it was hundreds of years later, you know, that they wrote these, and it became, Jesus became legendary, and those eyewitnesses, they did not really believe uh, that he was really God, and, and it, was, it was later on that they, they looked back. And uh, um, again, um, there's... Uh, with, with some of these copies, and, and this, this really will be tremendous if it turns out the way that it sounds, of this, these fragments from the New Testament, specifically that first century uh, um, artifact of uh, uh, a copy, uh, a fragment of the book, book of Mark. This will be tremendous for us uh, to be able to say, yes, the Bible is credible. Yes, the Bible's historical. Yes, the Bible's is authentic. Now, let me stop you there for just a second. Don't don't look to it or, or look uh, or even be discouraged if it doesn't turn out the way that we may, may think. To Don't place your hope 
in, in the proofs. Because even if, as we continue walking down the, the, the line in the future and we find more and more evidence uh, about the Bible, it's still, you, you will never get to a place where a person will come to faith in Christ merely, about, merely because of the facts or the information that's, that's within it. Nobody will come to faith. It always takes God making the move, God coming and changing a heart that never would have come, come to him. Um, and as far as that's concerned, you need to thank God that you have come to faith in Christ because of him not because of you, that God is the one, that if you're in faith, if you've come, if you become a Christian, you're a Christian because God came and he revealed himself to you. It's not because you're smarter than somebody else. It's not because you're more spiritual than somebody else. It's not because you're, you're more moral than somebody else. It's not because you're just born in America where there's a lot of, it's a Christian nation, so to speak. If you're a Christian, it's because God had mercy and he came to you, revealed himself to you, and made you, adopted you, and brought, him in, brought you into your family. And so because of that, that puts us on level playing field with everyone else, that maybe your friend or family, that they're not a believer in Jesus Christ, to where you go to them and you don't think there's something more special about you because you believe and they don't believe. You're just like them, a sinner, and you've been saved by grace. And so you're able just to extend a, a, a hand out to them and just say, man, come, come to Christ believe in Christ. And uh, it's wonderful if we get more, more proofs, uh, more evidence uh, that demands a verdict, I believe. Uh, um, but you don't need to put your faith in that. Just place your faith and keep your faith in Christ. Now let's talk a little bit about the what of, uh, of the book of Mark. Um, Luke and Matthew, and Luke, Matthew, and Mark are what are called the synoptic gospels. That what you can do is you can take Matthew, Mark, and Luke and you can compare them. And there is, there's a flow that goes with them where they tell a lot of the same stories. And it's because they, they use one another as, as sources as well as the oral tradition. They, they, some had come out and so they, of course, were, wanted to make sure that they were congruent with, with one another as, uh, as these guys wrote their stories. Uh, and, uh, but uh, something that's distinctive about Mark is Luke and Matthew, they tell a lot more stories about what Jesus said in his teaching. Luke actually has almost twice as much information in it as the biography of Mark. Mark focuses a lot on what Jesus did. It's action-oriented. Sojourn has three key values, and that's Jesus, community, and mission. And the way that Mark walks it out is he kind of reverses it. The way he reveals what who, who Jesus really is, is he brings Jesus in. You've got mission, community, and then the real revelation of Jesus. Um, you, uh, uh, you've got, uh, now we're going to see in verse 1 of, of uh, Mark 1, in just a second, that he gets it right out in the beginning, that he's the son of God, that he is deity. But he jumps right into the things that Jesus w- was doing. He jumps right into Jesus' mission. And then he starts showing how Jesus creates a community pulls together a, a group of strangers and makes them a family. And then the ultimate revelation of who Jesus is is at the end where he takes about a third of this book and describes the last week in Jesus' life leading to the death, burial, and resurrection 
of, of Jesus. And uh, so, so Mark quickly introduces Jesus as God the Son, and he moves right into what he did. Mark doesn't even give the birth story like Luke does, and he certainly doesn't give the Jewish lineage and heritage like Matthew does, and that's primarily because he's, uh, Matthew was, uh, especially was writing to, to the Jews. He, he really was focusing on the tribe of, of the Jews. Now, anybody can read it, and it's wonderful. Mark primarily, um, uh, Peter's message was primarily going to be for the Gentiles, written in Rome to Roman, Roman Christians, and as, as it spread out from there uh, to others. And so he didn't need to focus on the Jewish heritage he did focus in on what, who Jesus is, what, who Jesus brought to himself, and what the mission of, of Jesus was. He cuts right to the chase. He reveals who Jesus was and focuses on him as a man of action. Let me give you an example. Um, a, the word that in English is translated immediately occurs over 40 times in the book of Mark. 40 times. That same word that's translated immediately occurs 12 times in the entire New Testament outside of Mark. 40 times. Why? Because Peter, Mark, they want us to know that Jesus is a man of action. Jesus is a man that is on a mission. And so if you're to follow him, you're, 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 you can't stop. You can't slow down You've got to be on a, in action as well, or else you're going to be left behind. Jesus is an immediate God. He's on an immediate mission, and he wants us to be immediate followers of him. Mark underscores, even more than the other Gospels, the humanity of Jesus. Um, he calls attention a lot of times to his emotions. Uh, we'll see where he has pity. On people and, and where he got, he got angry and, and he focuses again on, on these emotions that we that will equate to um, very easily. Let's talk a little bit about the why. I mean, really the, the so what to uh, the book of Mark. Um, why, I mean, why, why should we study it? Why is it important anyway? Guys, listen. If Jesus was not or is not God, then who really cares? I mean, honestly. I mean, if, if Jesus is who he said he, he is, if he's really not that, then, man, we, be a good person. You know, I mean, don't, don't be a criminal. Don't be horrible. Don't be lazy. But really, it's, you know, you're the master of your, master of your own ship. You know, if he's not really God. But... If Jesus was and is God, if he really did die on the cross for the sins of others, if he really did raise again from the dead, it changes everything. Mark 8, 27 through 29 um, uh, really helps us in understanding, I mean, the, the why, the so what to this in a question that Jesus asked to his disciples. Mark 8, Uh, Verse 27, Jesus went on with his disciples to the villages of Caesarea Philippi. And on the way, he asked his disciples, who do people say that I am? And this is what they said. John the Baptist, others said Elijah, and others said one of the prophets. So then Jesus looked at them, and he said, but who do you say that I am? And Peter, he steps up and he says, you're the Christ, 
Um, now, well, first of all, one of the things that also shows that, that, that most likely it's Peter that's behind writing this, his eyewitness story, uh, is there's more detail in the book of Mark of, of the stories that Peter was in than the other, the other synoptic gospels. Um, and at the same time, in a, flip, in, a, in a way that flips it, uh, is when it mentions his Peter, Peter, whereas the other books, maybe they may brag on him or say, say good things or, you know, about, about Peter, about another person in the third person, in the book of Mark, it's much more subdued to where he doesn't, I mean, he doesn't lift himself up. He doesn't, Peter's not lifted up in, in the book of Mark. Well, here... Uh, and even here, it's not, it, he doesn't go, go on like some of the others, but it's still, it's potent, where he says, well, now, who do you say that I am? You know, he said, well, you're, you're the Christ. You're the son of the living God. You're, you're God, right here in, in the flesh. And, uh, and, and Jesus praised him, and, and then later on, Peter got in trouble uh, with some of the things that, that he said to Jesus. Um, but that is, that, is the, that is the huge why is we have got to ask ourselves, who is Jesus? And, and I, I hope, hope you know that, that uh, if you're a Christian in here, that God has friends or family members that are around you that are not believers of Christ. And this is the most important question that they need to ask of themselves and that you need to ask to them. Say, who do you say that Jesus is? It's vital that they dig in deep to know what it is they really believe. Um, and this next portion, 1 Corinthians 15, 13 through 19, um, takes it a, a little bit uh, a different direction. But if there is no resurrection of the dead, then not even Christ has been raised. And if Christ has not been raised, then our preaching is in vain and your faith is in vain. We're even found to be misrepresenting God because we testified about God that he raised Christ, whom he did not raise if it's true that the dead are not raised. For if the dead are not raised, not even Christ has been raised. And if Christ has not been raised, listen, you guys, if Christ has not been raised, then your faith is futile and you are still in your sins. Then those who've fallen asleep, that means dead, in Christ have perished. And if in Christ we have hope in this life only, we are of all people most to be pitied. I mean, Paul himself said, look, if he's not really God, if he didn't really die on the cross for the sins, sins of the world, if he didn't really raise again to, to reveal his deity, then man, eat, drink, and, and be merry, because tomorrow you're going to die. But if Jesus is God, it changes everything, doesn't it? It changes everything. So let's check it out. Mark, Mark chapter 1, verse 1. The beginning of the gospel of Jesus Christ the Son of God. He's talking about Jesus Christ. Um, Jesus, the, the, name, the name Jesus is, it's the, the Greek equivalent of the Hebrew word Joshua. Um, and the word Joshua, uh, or Yeshua, uh, actually means Yahweh saves, or said simply, God saves. And so when, uh, when Joseph and, and Mary were visited and said, you will name him Jesus, then that angel was saying, look, you're going to give him a name that every time you say his name and every time somebody else says his name, they're preaching the gospel. They're saying Yahweh is salvation. Um, I've told this story 
uh, before, but I'll share it again for some of y'all who weren't around, uh, is the, the way that people are named is, 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 is very important. And, and uh, the way we named our kids, um, it tells its own story, too, as we progressed uh, in our marriage and in our family. Blake is my, my first. His name is Blake Austin. And we just liked the name Blake Austin. That was it. You know, we were like, that's a strong, masculine name for a, for a boy, and he, he shall be Blake Austin, and so he is, all right? Number two, James Paul, we took a name from my dad and a name from Danielle's dad, and so his name, James Paul, or JP, uh, it, it pays homage to, uh, to our family and to our, our dads. Now, Cross uh, is my third. His name is Cross Adam, and in naming him, I wanted his name, when said, whether it's just cross or whether it's cross Adam, to, to preach the gospel. Because Jesus was the second Adam, the first Adam through his sin and through Eve's sin. They brought brokenness brought into, this, into this world. And we are fallen as a result of that. We're broken as a result of that. And uh, so where, where the first Adam failed, the second Adam, Jesus Christ, came in and was successful. He came, he lived the life that nobody was going to live, which was a life of perfection, totally pleasing unto the Father. He died, he died a death where he took the wrath of God uh, upon him, and then he rose again. Now, if, God, if Jesus was only a man and died as a, as a righteous man, in the, in the place of someone else, he could have pardoned one other person. He could have bought a ransom for one other person. A one perfect person could only trade places with one other person. It's a good thing Jesus wasn't just a perfect man, but he's also God. Because as he died, the sacrifice was made for many. The price was actually big enough for the entire world, and yet applied uh, to those that, that come to faith in Jesus Christ. And, uh, and so, um, so we, we wanted his name, uh, Cross Adam, uh, to preach uh, that, the gospel. And, and my little girl, her name's Zoe, which means eternal life, and that's what the Cross Adam brings is he brings eternal life to us. Well, that's, again, what, what, they, what God wanted is for his name to actually proclaim that God is the one who saves. Now, his, uh, when I was a kid, I thought his uh, first name was Jesus and his last name was Christ. You know, I thought he came from the Christ family. Joseph Christ, Mary Christ, their son, Jesus Christ, you know. Uh, it doesn't work that way. Christ is not a last name. Christ is a title. Uh, it means Messiah. Or it means anointed one. And so he is Jesus, God who saves. He's the anointed one, which brings the salvation from God. It's a tremendous, tremendous name. And so Mark is saying this is the beginning of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Now, gospel, um, it actually, we get it, we get it from uh, an old Anglo-Saxon Saxon word called Godspell. I think there was a, was there a musical called Godspell uh, a long time ago? And uh, so the word, the word Godspell means glad tidings or it means good news. Um, but, but here's the deal. There's good news, there's great news, and then there's somewhere out there, there's got to be the very best of, of the news that's out there. I know some of y'all have gotten some good news lately. I spoke to somebody for, for, before the first service that's like, hey, you've been praying for a, our house to sell out of state, and it finally sold, you know. And then, strangely enough, I had another friend that, that right as, uh, as we finished up uh, the, the first service, he came and he said, hey, you've been praying for our house to sell out in Madison so that we can move, 
move uh, somewhere else, and, and it, uh, we got a contract the other day, and I'm like, wow, great news. That's, that's great news. And some of y'all, you've, you know, maybe you, you're in between jobs, and you, you got a job. You know, good news, you know. Um, and it is. It's, it's very good when you, when you, when you get, get news like that. And yet, to be accurate, the gospel, the gospel of Jesus Christ, must be viewed as the very best of the news that's out there because there's nothing that can compare to the tremendous news of, of, of God coming and taking our place so that we could become his children. And, and so the news, it's important that you know that the gospel is good news, but it's also important for you to know that the Christian message, the Christian faith, it's based upon the gospel, which, the, which means that it's, it's news, it's not orders. The foundation of Christianity is based upon news, not orders. In every other religion, there are orders, there are works that you must do according to that religion by which if you follow, if you follow this path, if you, do what, if you do what we say to do, you will be accepted by God or whatever kind of a God that there is. That is what religion is. It's based upon you. It's based upon your works. It's based upon orders. The distinction between that and Christianity, like no other faith that there is, like no other religion, is it's not about what you do, it's the news about what God has already done for us. That is the foundation and that is the strength that we have in in Christ and in Christianity is to say it's not about me, it's not about what I do, it's not about what I think is good that I do, and it's not even about all the bad things that I do, it's about what God has done. And as a result of understanding that, then that is what informs us to actually do good things, to live a good life. Because we're not bound to it. We don't gain acceptance through that. We've got acceptance through Christ. If you've, if you've accepted, if you've, if you've surrendered, you've received that. And that's the reason why Jesus not only says to unbelievers to repent and believe the gospel, but while we're going to go further and further as he says to you Christians and to me, he says, you need to also believe this gospel, this great news about what I've done rather than what it is that you're to do. The beginning of, gospel, the, beginning of the gospel of Jesus Christ, the Son of God. The Son of God. Um, I, I, I mentioned part of this um, uh, already, but uh, about 10 days ago, uh, Jehovah's Witnesses came to my door. And, uh, and I love it when the Jehovah's Witnesses come to my door because I enjoy talking to the Jehovah's Witnesses uh, or Mormons uh, when they come by. Um, and uh, um, I was just about to leave for the office, and I really was, I didn't have time, uh, but I, I, the doorbell rung. I knew when I peeked out, because you peek out first, right, uh, who it was, and God said, you do have time. And so I, I slipped out on the porch and, and spoke with them. And I won't belabor the conversation that we had, um, but, but really I, I got to a place where um, I asked them the question. I says, who is, who is Jesus? Who is Jesus? And they said, he's the Savior. You know, he's the one that, 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 uh, that saves, saves us through his death on, on the cross. And I said, okay, all right. And I said, well, is, is, he, uh, is, he, uh, is he God? And they said, He's the son of God. And I said, I said, he's the son of God? They said, yes, he's the son of God. And I said, but is he, is he God? And they said, no, he's, he's not God. 
So he was, he was created by God. He was, he was, he was begotten by God uh, at, at one point in, uh, in the past, uh, but he is not God. And I asked him a question. I said, well, um, I, said, I said, can you think of anything in this world that gives birth to something that that, 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 new, that new creature is not of the same essence uh, as, as its parents? I mean, can you think of a tree or, or, a, uh, or an animal that gives birth to a, a different breed of an animal. I said, puppies, you know, they, they come, from, come from dogs. Um, you, you've got uh, uh, children, obviously, they come, they come from, from uh, people. Chicks come from chickens. And, and so how is it that if, some, if something is the son of God, that it's not God in its, in its essence? And their, their answer was, well, you're supposed to be, I mean, he, God can make you a son of God too. And, and so they, 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 they have their answer there uh, that it's not the same thing. It's not of the same essence as Scripture would, would say. But it's vital. It's vital for you to know that Scripture, that the Bible says that Jesus is, is the son of God. And, and my, my challenge to you would be you just flip those words around a little bit when you, say, when you talk about the son of God and say, God the son. Because it's, you cannot interpret God the Son as being anything less than God, whereas somebody may say the Son of God. So uh, just a challenge to help you out a little bit. When you talk about Jesus, talk about him as Jesus, God the Son, and so he is. We, uh, we focus a lot on community and on mission, you know, the Jesus community mission here in our church. Um, what, I, what I'm excited about is that as we go forward in this study, there is an intense focus on Jesus that you just can't get away from the sayings of Jesus and the action of Jesus Christ, which, by the way, leads us into community and leads us into mission. As I mentioned earlier, what Jesus did is he took strangers and he made a family out of them and then walked them out on mission together. And that's exactly what he wants to do with us as a church and with Christians. Is He's the focal point. He will take strangers. Folks, I mean... There's, there's nobody in here that's a part of this church that you knew half, that you knew half of the church, that you have known half the church for, uh, for an extended time, for, for years of your life. Everybody's in the same boat in this church where there's a lot of strangers that we're getting to know one another where we're saying, you know what, I don't know you yet, but guess what? We're family. We've got, we're blood brothers. We're blood sisters uh, as a result of Jesus Christ. And uh, so that's what he wants to do. It's what he's up to today. And what he wants to do with us is take us as a family together on, on mission. So who, who are you? Are you uh, highly educated or not educated at all? Are you making six figures? Or are you struggling to make four figures? Are, are you... Are you one that you came from on the, on the right side of the tracks or, or the wrong side of the tracks? No matter who you are, listen to me as I say, come to Jesus. Come to Jesus. He is the one that, that we need. And as we come and we investigate and look deeper into the life of Jesus, what he's going to do is he's now he's going to show you those that are around you. He's going to show you those that they're on the wrong side or the right side of the tracks. They've got high education or low education. They're white collar or they're blue collar. They're educated or they're not very 
educated. They're old or they're young. God is going to reveal that there's people around you that not only are you to come to Christ, but you're to say, come with me. Come, come to Jesus. Guys, Jesus was an immediate God. He was on an immediate mission, and he wants us to be immediate followers. The world needs our Jesus. Huntsville needs Jesus. And I challenge you guys to invite people to Jesus. Man, I want, I mean, I want God to, to grow this church and, and to, to make it exactly what it's supposed to be, but it's not about sojourn. It's about Jesus. And if we ever get to a place where we just say, you know what, it's all of a sudden become about our personalities and who we are and what we're doing, let's shut the doors down. May Jesus always be the hero. Now, with that being said, God has placed people around you right now. There are unbelievers that are in your sphere of influence that are right around you. You don't have to, to work hard for the mission of God. God has placed the mission right around you. And my challenge is, right, especially during this season, we're in the middle of Easter season. It's, we're right on springtime, and, and there's, there's people that they're, that they're sensitive to invitation, to spending time with you, coming and meeting the people that you know, and even coming to church. And so I challenge you that you would, first of all, be a people that you just flat invite people to Christ. Just say, you know what, man, come, place your faith in Jesus Christ. But invite people into, into, your, into your kitchen table. Invite non-believers that God has placed around you to come and eat dinner with you. Go and have lunch with them. Strategize. Think about who it is that God's placed around you. And, and others that are they're believers that are in your life, and it may be the small group that you're in, or it could be just you just get together with some of the folks that you're, that you're walking discipleship out with in this life, and you invite your non-believing friend in to that circle of people. Do that. That's what Jesus did. I challenge you that in this Easter season, that in these next few weeks, that you would be looking for at least two people or two families that you just say, come with us on Sunday morning. Come with us. Come. We're, we're investigating the story of Jesus Christ. And I'd love to walk that out with you. And be willing to, be willing to take their questions. And be willing to, to take skepticism and doubts. And, and just know it's okay. It's okay. You don't have to be the answer, man. You don't have to have all the answers. Point them to Jesus. Point them to the Bible. Be willing to walk it out with them as they come. But invite Invite them. Invite somebody to come with you next, next Sunday that they may be able to be around what I call power and presence evangelism. That as we worship Jesus Christ, the presence of God falls upon them and conviction just happens to come with it. And as Jesus is proclaimed, as we investigate him deeper, as they hear the gospel, they're going to be friends of yours that they will come to faith in Jesus Christ.